So this past week, Brett Levi, our family pastor, former youth pastor here, um, you may know Brett. He's a guy who came up here. If you're brand new here and don't know him, you need to know him. Um, so Brett Levi threw a surprise birthday party for his wife, Amanda. Uh, and it was really awesome to do all that. And so there are all these wonderful stories that were told of Amanda, or so I'm told. I was actually outside taking care of kids. Um, and so, Amanda, you're welcome for that. That was an act of service, so you could hear the stories. Um, but some of those stories have been relayed to me. And so I'm going to tell my Amanda story right now. Um, I, I'd been a youth pastor for 11 years, going on 12 years. And, and some of my time I had actually spent here on staff as the associate youth pastor back in 2010 and 11. And because ministry was hard, and I'd entered a season of great frustration and despair, I started looking around thinking maybe youth ministry was not for me anymore. You see, there's, there's some wear and tear that occurs on pastors in general and I was in that season where wear and tear was very, very real. But wear and tear was not coming from like hard ministry challenges. It was coming from coworkers. Like it, it wasn't the fact that I was going to people's homes at midnight, like counseling students not, not to commit suicide, which was actually happening at that time. It's, it's, not that, it's not that I was going to school to give character witnesses for students who are being written up and they're trying to decide whether or not they're going to be expelled which was going on at the time. It's not the fact that I was calling uh, CPS on, on multiple... CPS? Yeah, Child Protective Services? Yeah, Child Protective Services on multiple estranged family members for our students, which was going on at the time. It's not those challenges. It was the fact that, that going to work and working in some of the circumstances I was working in was just hard. It was frustrating. And so I started looking for some alternate things. Well, one of the things that came across my, my path was an opportunity to leave vocational ministry. Like, to, like so here's, here's something. Do you know I get paid to do this? I mean, really, like, like so people are like, hey, what you, so I know you're a youth pastor and all, what's your job? Like, this is my job. And so, like, I have, I have, um, like, I have an office and I go in there on a daily basis and it's like, you actually have an office? I'm like, yeah, I actually have an office. I'll, I'll actually show you one day if you'd like to see my office. This is a nine to five kind of job that has hours and stuff like that. Um, there's paperwork to fill out. There's all sorts of things like that. It's an actual job. But I was in my actual job at the time and it was the job part that was frustrating. I was like, I just don't wanna, like, like ministry should not be this hard. Loving people for Jesus should not be this hard. And so I was approached by somebody and they said, hey, why don't, why don't instead of doing that as your job, why don't you come do that for our church, like still love people, but find a way to support your family in other ways. And so I started looking at some opportunities. In fact, I started interviewing at some companies here in Central Texas. And I had progressed to the third phase of interviews in a company when for whatever reason, the Lord brought me into Amanda's path. And we're in a vehicle driving, and, and Amanda, I, I don't know if you've ever seen Amanda angry. One of the things that's so great about Amanda, um, she's not, like, not going to blow up on you initially. Um, she's going to look real nice, but you're going to see, a, like, there's, the jaw's going to be set, um, the, the lips are tight, and, and you can, I just want you to think, like, the foot's probably shaking, you know what I mean? Like, legs crossed, and that foot's just, just going, and I really out of nowhere, 
Out of nowhere, in the middle of that car ride, the Levi's and other friends down here are aware of the situation going on. Almost out of nowhere, Amanda says, Michael, I just need to stop you right now. What, what you're doing is wrong. Um, what you're thinking is wrong. Like you, you need to stop doing that. God called you to be a youth pastor. Be a youth pastor. And it was one of these like watershed moments in my life where a friend called me to account and said exactly what I needed to hear at that moment. We're in this series called Lifelines. And, and one of the things about this series... Now, let's fast forward. Uh, that was a couple of years ago. Guess what? I'm still a youth pastor. I don't know if that's a surprise to anyone. Uh, I'm still a youth pastor. Okay. Um, and the Lord really has moved in some miraculous ways. One of the things I get to do is still celebrate uh, when students find life in Christ. But... In this Lifeline series, one of the things we're doing is we're taking a look at Jesus' interactions with people. Because one of the things that Jesus was so awesome about is that when he interacted with people, he showed us two things. He showed us, number one, the way that God wants to interact with mankind. And so anytime you see an interaction between Jesus and people, you're seeing God himself speak into the lives of human beings. And so in this story that we're about to read, this interaction that Jesus had, there's a part of it where you need to know that in the same way that Jesus spoke to these people, Jesus wants to speak to you. But in addition to that, he showed us how people should relate to one another. You see, in, in, in this youth ministry, in this church, we want you to have deep, godly relationships. And one of the consistent things that you see in the life of Jesus when he interacts with people is that he values relationships above all else. And so when we say our mission statement is to love God and love people, those are relational words. We believe that the two most important relationships you can have are the relationship between you and God, and that comes in through salvation in Jesus Christ, and you and other people. God placed you on earth to have great relationships with people. And so tonight in Luke chapter 10, we're going to look at a story of where Jesus gives some honest course correction, some honest feedback to somebody who is steering off path. Now, for you right now, some of you aspire, desire, want to, long to honor Jesus with your life. But for every Christ follower in here, every Christ follower that's ever walked this earth, there are seasons of despair where it feels like following Jesus is just too hard. There are times where we just simply get distracted. It's this idea that, you know, I would follow Jesus and I want to follow Jesus, but this kind of has my attention right now, so I can't fully follow Jesus. I think for me, in that season of life that I talked about, despair kicked in and distraction followed. You see, I, I, I got distracted by what I thought was a, a way out of the pain, a way out of the frustration. And in turn, it was not nothing more than mere distraction. But some of us, when we get to our lowest, when we're at this point where it feels like nothing could go right, we could feel almost as if we're drowning. Like if I don't get help today, if I don't get help right now, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm telling you, in each of those situations, and you'll see some of this in this story, in each of those situations, Jesus is faithful to step in. And so if you find yourself in one of those places right now, I encourage you to turn to Christ. Luke chapter 10. Now we're going to be in, on page 507, uh, verses 38 through 42. 
Verse 38, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And so these two, uh, this person right here, Martha, um, just so you know, like if you've read the Bible, you've read some of Jesus' stuff, we're going to talk about sisters named Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha are the sisters of Lazarus. And so if you've heard the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, like these are those people. So these, these are people that Jesus considered not only his disciples, but his close friends. And so when Jesus goes into this village um, and goes into this home, he's going into a home of friends, of people that care for him and he cares for them. And so Martha welcomes Jesus into her house. Verse 39, and Martha and she had a sister called Mary. And Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. And so I want you to get this picture. And Jesus and his disciples are walking through. They enter this village and they go to the door. And who greets them? Martha. Martha is the proactive one who says, Jesus, guys, come on inside. And Mary, her sister, takes a seat. Now, do any of you have parents like my parents were? So do you know that there's something called baseboards and door frames at your house? Do you know when I discovered that? When it was time to clean the house for guests. You, you know, as a, as a child, I did not realize I had paid no attention to architecture. And so, but there are things on your wall, and if you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go home tonight and look. Like if you go down on your wall, you're going to see at the bottom something called a baseboard. And you can dust those, and you can clean them with sponges. Don't encourage it. I'm just telling you, you can there are door frames. That's the like little pretty stuff around your door so it's not just flat wall, okay? Those door frames can also be cleaned. I discovered that as a child. And so whenever we had people come over, we went into um, some of the most hypocritical, inauthentic cleaning that you'll ever see. Our house never looked like it did until visitors came over. Like the only time we cared about that kind of stuff was when visitors came over, and we have somebody with Martha who's kind of wired that way. She's like, hey, we have guests coming over, so we have to get to work. Real quick question. Um, in house cleaning, anybody in this room, like your job is always the bathrooms? Yeah. Ah, that is frustrating. Okay. I, I, I'm, I just want to empathize, sympathize with you um, because, man, <laughs> it's just going to get dirty again. Okay, <laughs> but Mary, Mary, instead of trying to make the house ready for Jesus, sits at Jesus' feet. Verse 40, now Martha was distracted with much serving. I want you to hear this. Mary sat at the feet of the Lord and listened, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Hey, Jesus, look at how much I'm doing. Do you see how clean these baseboards are? That's me. That's not her. Again, I know she's on the floor and she's close to him, but she's not even like, like if you're going to sit there, at least pick up a rag. Like, come on. And so she goes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, side with me. See it my way. 
The author of the book of Luke betrays Martha here. Do you see what he says? He doesn't say Martha was busy with much cleaning. Martha was faithful to do much cleaning. He says, no. Verse 40, go back one. Martha was distracted. Do you know what a distraction is? A distraction is what takes your focus off of what's important. You see, the reason people tell you not to text and drive because texting and driving is a distraction is is because the focus in driving should be the road. I had a friend in high school. um, This is, I'm not going to say his name because I wouldn't want him to say my name on stories he has about me. I had a friend, cell phones were relatively new, okay? And so um, texting was, was kind of special. And so he's driving home from school one day and runs, he takes, a, he takes a right-hand turn and runs straight into the back of a parked car. Do you know what he was doing? Texting. Do you know what he told his parents? There was a bee in the car that he was swatting at. That's... To this day, to this day, I don't think he's ever come clean about that, which is why I will not say his name. But the reason people tell you not to text and drive is, like, the goal is to look at the road. The reason people tell you not to watch TV and do homework is because TV will distract you from what the important thing is. And so when Luke, when Luke writes down this account of Jesus' interaction with Mary and Martha, he uses the word distracted For a reason. Because he wants you to know that what she was doing was not the best thing. When when he writes this down, it says uh, Martha was distracted. And it's not even just this this connotation of distracted. Like it has this meaning of it. It's like, like, like pulled away. I'm somebody like if the TV's on, I have to watch it. Are you, some of y'all wired that way? Yeah, like if, if the TV's on... I am, I am victimized by the TV, meaning I have no power on my own to overcome the urge to watch TV. It gets really, really bad. Like I'll go to restaurants or whatever, and you know there's like a little bar area set up that's got all the sports, all the sports. When those are on, if I am facing that, you can just count me out on any meaningful conversation. Even if it's like a replay of a baseball game of a team that I don't even care about, guess what I'm watching? The TV. There are distractions in our life. There are things that pull us away that we have no power on our own to overcome. We need some assistance. We need some aid. We need some perspective that will help. And Martha found herself in a situation where she was actually victimized by what was distracting her. She felt obligated, and you hear it in her emotions. She goes up to Jesus, and she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister is not doing the same thing as me? Do you not care? That's if she has no power over that. So tell her to help me. Verse 41. The Lord said to Martha, 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 you are anxious and you are troubled about many things. Verse 42. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus looks in the eyes of somebody who loves him and he loves her. And he doesn't allow her, he doesn't allow her to continue doing what's wrong. 
one of the most beneficial things that you can have in your life are godly people who are willing to speak truth to you. Your life as a Christ follower, your life as somebody who wants to serve King Jesus, your life as somebody who wants to please God, will be enabled greatly if you surround yourself with people who are willing to speak truth to you. Godly friendships really do help you grow. And so if you want to be a godly friend, I want to encourage you in two areas. Number one, I want you to learn how to correct your friends well. You see, like to be a good Christian follower and a good Christian brother or sister in Christ, you actually have to step into that place to correct your friends well when they're straying from the path. And so some of that is learning sympathy. Like we've got to take ownership and say, you know what, I, I can kind of relate to that. I feel that. I've been there too. It means everything to know that somebody can feel the pain, feel the reason you're distracted, feel the reason you're straying. And if you start there with sympathy, it gives you a voice to do what's next. And that's to speak the truth clearly. You see, in in the story of Amanda's correction for me, she didn't leave anything unclear. She was under the full conviction that, number one, what I was doing was wrong, and number two, God had called me to something specific. It wasn't left to chance. And Jesus, when he looks in the eyes of Martha, he says, Martha, I'm going to be very clear with you. Your sister who you think is doing the wrong thing is doing the right thing. And the right thing is not just a thing. It's the good thing. It's the best thing. The second thing I would tell you is this. If you want to be a good godly friend to somebody or you want good godly friends around you, you need people that point you to the very best thing for you. And the very best thing for you is to be a person who finds himself constantly at the feet of Jesus. There is no greater place for you to be in life than at the feet of your Savior, learning what he would have you to learn, listening to what he would have you listen to, becoming who he would have you become. Mary had the creator of all things in her presence. And she took advantage of that. She sat down at the feet of Jesus and heard words from the Savior that only he could say. And so for you, I want to ask you one thing, and then we'll close. Are you somebody who faithfully sits at the feet of Jesus every single day? Or are you distracted by many things? Are you somebody who sits at the feet of Jesus every single day or are you distracted by many things? If you're anything like Martha, some of your distractions you may feel victimized by. But my encouragement to you is to surround yourself with people who will speak truth to you day in and day out. Let's pray.